Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. I want to talk to you today about partnering with the Creator, the revival and awakening of creation. How many of you know that the earth is alive? Right? The earth speaks what it sees in the heavenlies. Let me explain. Psalm 19 verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no language where their voice is not heard. Their line, which in the Hebrew that word line means a musical measuring line or, or string. Their line has gone out into all the earth. And their words, speech, utterance, to the end of the world. I believe the earth has lost its prophetic seeing voice to be able to say what it sees when the heavens became separated from the earth because of sin. Amen? Now, how many know in heaven there's no sin? Are you with me? And when Adam and Eve sinned, in the earth, everything began to die. Right? Actually, I believe everything began to die in the universe. Because we see planets and stars dying, exploding. I haven't been out there much, but from what I read, it sounds like what the scientists tell us, that everything is dying. And we know that sin leads to death. And so when heaven, when the earth was cut off from heaven because God has to have separation. Amen. Okay, just making sure you're with me. God made sure that was, there was separation because if you come into the presence of God with sin, what happens? You die. Sin leads to death. This is why when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, God guarded the garden with angels, with swords, and said, don't come back in here, you're not allowed anymore. Now that broke the heart of God. It wasn't because God was just happy to kick them out because they didn't do what he asked them to do. It broke the heart of God. That's not the intention God created man was to be separate, was to be divided from him. But how many of you know that the earth is groaning? The earth is quaking. The earth 
is speaking because it is still alive, but it is dying. As God's people pray and prophesy, we become the redemptive voice the earth rejoices in. So you and I, with the Spirit of Christ living within us, He's the only reason we're alive because of His resurrection. But because of Christ living in us and as we praise the Lord, there is power, there is authority released on the earth because God has chosen to reveal himself through man. Are you with me? Being a people of prayer, we should be groaning and quaking in intercession. We should be feeling the heartbeat of God for what we see happening in the world today. There is wars and rumors of wars. There's famine. There's hatred. There's division. There's all kinds of sin. But the church is called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We are called to bring life wherever we go. In Romans 8, 22 through 23, it says, We know that all of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. When did childbirth start when Adam and Eve sinned? And part of the curse upon the woman was to bear children with pain. Now, it, again, God did not have a, a, a weird desire for people to just feel pain. I believe the way he constructed us was perfect. We were in his image. But when sin separated us from God, he knew how detrimental that would be to everything that we feel. That all of our senses would be affected by sin. See, sin is not just something that's between you and God and Jesus is the bridge to fix everything. Sin causes everything to die. Sin brings destruction. And the only reason why sin is in the earth is because we allowed it. That was not God's design. But it says... Right up to the present time, verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies. You see, I don't know that I've ever groaned. Let me show you what I mean. Look at those pictures right there. What does that cause you to feel inside? There's a groaning. There's a sense of that is not right. It is not right for women and children to be kidnapped, to be tortured. I've been reading and hearing, uh, you know, uh, stories of how children have been kept in the dark for all the days they were held in captivity by Hamas. A terrorist organization that hates God. They think they're serving uh, their right God, but they hate God. 
because they love their sin and it's okay for them to do what they do and get you know an agreement from the imam and 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 there's things written in the quran that allows a muslim to do these things of acts of wickedness if they have that permission and see that's that doesn't come from jesus jesus said love your neighbor as you love yourself love your enemies he took it a little bit further in fact he said when they persecute you bless them wait a minute that's a little different that's what it what happens when we on earth look to heaven we receive from heaven what's available and God gives us power to release authority on the earth the authority of humility when Paul and Silas were persecuted, their worship and prayer caused spiritual chains to break. In Acts 16, 25 to 26, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. There's always other prisoners listening, watching your life. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I like that kind of evangelism right there. I want to be a people of prayer. I want to be a people of intercession. I believe God has given us the keys to the kingdom. The key is to what? Unlock chains and cause captives to come out of darkness. Anybody want to see that? Anybody want to see freedom for their family, for their neighbors, for the people you work with? Of course you do. But I want you to recognize that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. There is a seed that is on the inside of you that doesn't come from your mother and father. That's why when you were born again, this new seed that came in you, not the seed from Kibaloi, not the seed from some ridiculous cult or other, uh, you know, so-called scripture, there is one word of God. There is one Bible. There is one Messiah. There is one God-man, Jesus Christ. And He's the one who comes to live in us. He doesn't dwell in temples made by men anymore. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives. You and I have authority. If you live in sin, then you relinquish your authority. But if you live according to his standard and according to his word according to the power of the Holy Spirit you have authority on the earth to demonstrate and groan with Jesus in heaven that his purposes would be fulfilled on the earth amen everybody let me tell you something your calling is not just something you do it's something you are you have to learn how to become a man or woman of prayer but I'm not the pastor. We didn't ask you that. You don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be the worship leader. But you have to be a man or a woman of prayer. Because Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That's everybody in this room. 
That doesn't mean that we just pick and choose when we want to walk with the Lord. No, it means we adjust our lives by coming out of sin to say, I'm going to walk with the Lord and be a man after God's own heart despite my flesh, despite this world that is around me. I'm going to keep looking into his eyes in heaven and having his heart for what he desires to do. Listen, as Israel becomes the church's focus, spiritual groans and earthquakes will change the world. Are you with me? I'm not just talking about physical earthquakes. I'm talking about spiritual earthquakes. I believe that people in Mindanao are praying for Israel. And I believe the enemy hates it. Because Israel is winning their battle. And despite the anti-Semitism and hatred of, of politicians and the United Nations and others around the world, they are continuing to win and fight the battle of righteousness. They may not know Jesus as Messiah, the majority of them, but they're still applying God's word and saying morality and truth matters. And the truth is you should not kill women and children and the elderly and just hurt people intentionally because you want to get your point across. It never accomplishes anything. You know, in the recent war, we all believe that Israel has a right to defend itself. Yet no matter how many terrorists are killed or the leaders of Hamas and Hezbollah are brought to justice, the gospel must be preached to Jews and to Muslims. Without the renewing of the mind that only the gospel brings, the more ungodly leaders will continue to rise. After Osama bin Laden was killed, others rose. ISIS rose. After ISIS is gone, Hamas. I mean, Hamas has been around for a while, but their prominence came up. Hezbollah. My point is this, is that we can all day have justice, 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 but without truth changing people's lives, we'll only have temporary peace. Because they'll come back up again. Recently, there were there was a word saying that 200 Palestinians encountered the Lord. My friend Ron Cantor, who I wanted to find out, because how many of you heard this story? Okay, several people have talked about it. I think Amir has as well. But more than 200 Muslim men in Gaza received Jesus recently because all 200 had dreams of Jesus in the same night. And so this is what uh, New Testament professor Michael Lacona said. He said, over the past two days, and this is, I, I saw this on Ron Cantor's post November 23rd, could have been before that. Over the past two days, we have ministered to hundreds of fathers who have lost most, if not all, of their children in the war. As we move these men to safety, we fed them, washed their clothes. This is what Christians do, friend. This is what godly men and women do. 
We feed them, wash their clothes, and begin to read the Bible to them, sharing the way of peace through Jesus. Then, say then. then. A big miracle happened. Last night, Jesus appeared more to 200 of them in their dreams. See, you and I can't make that happen. But if we groan in the Spirit, He hears from heaven, will forgive our sin and heal our land. They have come back to us to learn more from God's Word and are asking how to follow Jesus. You know, the world looks at like Iran right now and says what the, it's one of the most wicked governments in the world, and that's true. But what the world doesn't know is that there is an incredible awakening taking place in Iran and that many people are coming to Jesus. I would dare say it might be the most powerful revival in the world right now. And see, the United Nations... Muslims, the, the Ayatollah, uh, the governmental authorities in Iran, they're just kind of thinking, oh, this isn't making an a impact on us. But here's the deal. I promise you, they're scared to death because there's rumblings, there's groanings taking place in their own people. And some of those people are blessing Israel. And when you bless Israel, you see how God has his way is that when it looks impossible, God leads somebody in a dream or a vision and says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Remember Saul who, be, who was also Paul? And then what happened? He turns around and writes half of the New Testament and takes the gospel out and becomes a problem to the Romans. You see... That's what's happening in Iran right now. There's a bunch of Saul of Tarsuses that are encountering Jesus. And I believe that it could shake and change the entire world by the church being a people of prayer. Amen. So what does it mean for us to partner with God in creation? You might think, how can we participate in creation when God has already created everything? Looking at the present physical creation, we cannot participate in what has already been created. But the creation I'm talking about today is not a physical creation. It is a spiritual creation. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 11, Paul says, For if what is passing was glorious, thinking about the earth, the law, right? What remains is much more glorious. He's saying that Christ in you and me is the reason why there's anything good happening in the world today. What is Paul talking about here? He says, he's talking about this new life covenant that we have in Christ after we're born again. When Jesus died for our sin and rose again, he purchased a new and better covenant for us. This does not mean that the old covenant wasn't good enough. But the first covenant that God used, the law and the prophets, was to point us in the direction of Jesus. Because the Lord 
worked a way of getting his word into people so that by faith his people would welcome him to come and prepare the way for his coming. And when he came and established his kingdom on the earth, Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Wait a minute, we had this discussion before, right? Well, I don't like when you go away. I like when you're here. You do things nobody else can do. But what they didn't understand is that through his shed blood and resurrection meant that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit could come from heaven to earth and could help you and I to groan with Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father living to make intercession. And as we groan and agree with God in places and among people that, that everyone thinks nothing will ever change, God has a way to bring revival and awakening. Amen. Hallelujah. If we are in Christ, then as a new creation, we are still living in this world, but we are no longer of this world. This means we can now partner with God in the reviving of his first creation and the awakening of his new creation. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up your loins, not lions, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you as at the revelation of Jesus Christ. From the beginning of our revelation in Christ, God expects us to partner with him in reviving and bringing life to his creation. In 1 Peter 1.13, the phrase, gird up your loins, of your mind has a unique meaning. The word loins in the Greek is auspice. It means of uncertain affinity. The loin externally, the hip internally by extension. It means procreative power. The loins is the place where the Jews, the Hebrews thought the generative power, the semen resided. What is that talking about? The life-giving ability that God has given to you and I to procreate. Are you with me? There is life on the inside of you even if you're not born again. I'm going to tell you the wisdom of God is, is amazing. And see, when we're born again and we have the mind of Christ, we start thinking that we have authority in every place that God has called us to be. And we don't walk around as a defeated people. We walk around victorious. That's why I love this morning that despite the news of an earthquake, despite the news of a bombing, we can come in here and praise the Lord. Amen? The same Greek word for loins is also used in Ephesians 6.14, the first part of that verse. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. 
The waste is again referred to as the loins. The procreative power we are given through the mind of Christ. As Jesus' mind renews our souls, our bodies will release God's reviving power physically and spiritually. So when you pray, when you fast, there is procreative power that commands works of darkness to put their tail between their legs and fall on their knees before the Lord. Amen. This is what we see when Jesus walked around, right? And he went to the Gadareans. What happened? The demon came running to Jesus because he saw Jesus. He saw, okay, that guy has authority. Nobody else, no other priest, no other Levite, no other politician or Roman has authority like that guy. I have to fall on my knees and say, why did you come to judge us before our time? You see, my friend, Jesus is a loving Savior who will also be a judge one day. And the enemy knows that. And he... This is why the enemy fights so hard to get you bound up and not understand your identity. I'm not just talking about your identity through your name and what day you were born and and you know how old you know how long you were when you were born and how much you weighed. I'm talking about your identity in Christ. That who you are, if you don't recognize the power and authority that Christ has given you and I, then we limit God's ability to do what he wants to do. And we have to be a people of prayer. I love to play basketball, but you know what? Basketball is really meaningless unless it's focused on building relationship. That's why I try not to play so hard against the guys so that they would continue to love and bring about, you know, gentleness and encouragement towards the elderly who pray. <laughs> Colossians 1.27 To them, say to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery of this mystery among the Gentiles which is what Christ in you the hope of glory listen Jesus is the answer but he's partnering with you and I to help the world know what the answer is all about if we don't continue to go deeper into the glory of the Lord, into the presence of God and making Jesus' name famous, the earth will continue to mumble and grumble and groan and quake because it's looking for the sons of God to be revealed. Again, in 1 Peter 1.13, Peter is actually saying Jesus is in us. The procreative power is the hope of glory. How many of you have seen a baby be born? And when a baby is being born, it is miraculous. You know, I've told this story before, but all five of our kids 
were born in different places. You know, Sierra was born in Salisbury, Maryland. Abby was born in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, Jonathan was born in Delaware, in one part of Delaware. David was born in the Philippines. He's the only Filipino we have. And then Hannah was born in Delaware, but another part of Delaware. And all of those times and places with different doctors, midwives, hospitals, they don't know us because we don't live there. And so we're there for short periods of time and then Casey give, gives birth, we, we get the baby ready so that we can travel and come back to the Philippines all these years. But every single time, the first time that Sierra was born, the doctor turned to me and said, do you want to deliver your child? And what he didn't know is that the Lord had already spoken to me and said, I want your, I want your face to be the first face your daughter sees when she comes forth because you represent me to her. And I thought, whoa, what does that mean? And then the doctor turned to me and said, do you want to deliver your daughter? They put these big plastic things on my arms. I'm like... <laughs> and then I go to Pensacola. They said to me, do you want to deliver your daughter? And then I go to Delaware. Do you want to deliver your son? And then I am in the Philippines, in Obrero, when we had an apartment there. And the midwives turned to me and said, do you want to deliver your son? And then again with Hannah in a totally different situation. Do you want to deliver your daughter? My friend, there is a responsibility that we have to steward what God wants to do in bringing creation about around us. We can partner with Him. He's the creator. We're nothing. But he allows us to partner with him so that we can bring forth and we can, in the, in, the, in the pain of childbirth and through groanings and through prayer, believe God to bring about transformation around us. The truth of who Jesus is is established inside of us. We can partner with God. By allowing our loins to revive our minds, we can live to revive creation of the first covenant and proclaim the, the good news of Jesus Christ through this new covenant. You know, the more His word is established in you and I, don't ever stop reading the word of God. Don't ever stop. Be intentional. If you're one of those Christians who say, I'm going to do my devotions today. Okay, don't play Russian roulette with your uh, devotions. Okay, be intentional. Uh, let me encourage you to have a Bible reading plan. Why? Because if you do that, you can go through the whole Bible every year. Why don't you try and do that starting in January? Why don't, listen, you got all kinds of plans to lose weight and to eat differently in 2024, right? To make more money, to, to give your husband the honeydew list and all kinds of stuff, right? Why not make a plan to commit yourself to reading through the Bible in a year? 
Because I can promise you this. I've done it for so many years. I don't even remember how many times I've read through. And I don't say that as a pride thing. I say that as a confidence thing because I know as I've submitted myself to the word of God, it's changed my life. It's changed my marriage. It's changed my kids. It's changed everything that I understand from God. And so I know that I walk in authority. And it's not because of my personality or my big mouth. It's because I know who Jesus is. He lives in me. I meet with him. I talk with him. I hear his voice. He is very much alive. And he wants to be alive in you even more so. If there's anything that I could dream of, it, was that it would be that the people of God would so fall in love with Jesus that they would go so much farther beyond anything that we encounter in the Lord. That's what we want. I don't want to be the superhero. It doesn't make any sense to do that. There's only one superhero. And he lives in all of us. Amen? Let me finish up here. 1 Peter 1, 24-25. All flesh is like grass, and the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Now I want to read these last verses in Romans chapter 8 starting in verse 18. And we're going to close after this. Maybe. I can't, you know, I don't know what God's going to do. He might just, yeah, okay. Romans 8.18 Paul says For I consider that the sufferings of this present time this life, this earth are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of all creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. And that's not just talking about men. That's talking about men and women. The Bible's talking about sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly or to sin, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered. Are you hearing this? From the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Friend, I don't know what that does for you, but that really excites me. Because I know that the very ground that I walk on senses the presence of God from my life and yours. That when I look at those mountains, and if I were to command that mountain to move, Jesus said we have authority, and it would obey us and go into the sea, right? Why? Because it's alive. I'm not trying to get weird about some worship of trees and mountains and suns and moons. It has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do for you to understand who lives in you and how he wants to manifest himself from you and I. Amen. We are not becoming God. He is God. 
We are his ambassadors. We are only sons and daughters called to go make disciples of all men. How do we do that? Do we do that in word only? No, Paul says with power. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs un together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. You understand that we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Right? There is a process. Yes, you are saved when you receive Jesus. You repented. He came and he lives in you. And if you continue to live for him, you don't have to worry about him ever leaving you or forsaking you. But yet there's a process of sanctification to where we value the beginning of what Christ has started within us and as we walk in Him, renewing our mind, emotions, and our will, our soul, He is preparing us so that one day when this body decays, we will put on a new body in heaven. And we will no longer see each other as we see each other now we will see each other as he sees us. Amen. There's only so much that we can see and understand now. And I don't believe there's any limitations placed on us except what we place upon ourselves. If you pray, if you fast, if you walk in obedience, if you read the word of God, if you share the gospel, if you do these things, then you'll see God move and do his part. But we have to take him at his word and be so convinced of it that we are called to demonstrate his power. Verse 24, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Are you persevering? Let me finish these last few verses. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we ought to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with gro groanings which cannot be uttered. Groanings. Now he who searches a heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. This is what's happening in us that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. If you're tired of me reading the word of God, it shows how much more you need to read the word. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, whom he justified, these he also glorified. One day, we will take off this outer shell 
and we will have a new body. And it will not be tainted by sin. But until we get to that point, our soul, our spirit, has the ability to look into his eyes in heaven and to stay fixated on him. And by doing so, he accesses every part of our being and releases his kingdom in our midst so that the world can encounter God, not just through word, but through the reality of his presence. I believe that the presence of God is not just to be an emotional feeling that we feel great and say, what an awesome meeting that was. But it is something that we carry with us that we manifest wherever we go. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.